The Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 15, verse 1 to 7. The parable of the lost sheep. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered round to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Thank you, Johnny. And now David's going to come and speak to us. Excellent. So anyway, thank you very much for uh, for the privilege of uh, of speaking to you this morning. Uh, It does say short talk. I will try to keep it to that. So uh, congratulations on the birth of little Joshua. I'm sure I'm probably about the last now rather than the first. And the promises you made a few minutes ago to, uh, to bring him up in the Christian faith, I think that's countercultural these days, and these days it's quite brave. But if you're serious, we're here to back you. So I don't know whether you noticed in the middle of all the ritual, but there's actually a line in there where the congregation promises back to help you. And one of the good things about uh, St. Matthews is that it has some brilliant children's work so it has a kids' church where a lot of the children have already escaped to. And for older children, it has the gap as well. Both of those are, uh, are brilliant resources. So um, how many people here have seen the, the Matrix films? A few people. You're allowed to put your hand up. It's okay with, uh, with Keanu Reeves. Uh, the first film... So the film introduced us to an idea, and the, the central idea of the, uh, the first film was that everything that we see and that we know and that we think to be real, in fact, is, is not real, but it's a virtual reality world, which uh, Keanu Reeves' character, Neo, discovers. And he meets the mysterious Morpheus, who holds out his hands, each of them containing a pill, one red and one blue. And he challenges him to choose one. Now, I haven't got a, the, the voice for this sort of nice husky voice, but I'll try. So this is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill, the story ends. You wake up in your bed, And you believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is truth. Nothing more. Now you're probably wondering what on earth that has to do with this morning's Bible passage. It's on the face of it, a rural story about a shepherd and a flock of sheep has precious little to do with urban reading in the 21st century. Uh, the answer is that it actually is more directly relevant than you might think, so I'm going to try and decode it for us. So the story introduces us to a lost sheep. 
Now, sheep are not the brightest of, of animals. And if you've ever had the experience of driving in the country along roads where you've got fields and you've got sheep and there aren't stone walls or hawthorn hedges and they're allowed to roam free, you know that they love the tarmac. And they'll sit there and you can be bombing up to them at 50 miles an hour and, uh, and they'll just kind of just look at you, chewing. And you put your headlights on beam and you blast your horn and they'll still just chew and they won't get out of your way at all. But they're not entirely devoid of, of all initiatives because if they do see an area where there's some greener looking grass, they will wander off. Um, but Jesus is clearly referring to people, not sheep. Now, the majority of us live lives which are, on the surface at least, nice and tidy. We're safely in our own private flock amongst our friends and our mates and our colleagues and our family, and everybody thinks we're okay, whether we are in fact or not. But we all know people whose lives have totally fallen apart. In some cases, they've made bad choices, which are often understandable when you know the backstory. So the lady's fallen apart because her husband has started beating her and controlling her. Or maybe you've met somebody who's enslaved by alcohol, but originally it started when they lost a loved one, or maybe they got into it after they were sexually abused as a teenager. Now the stealing to fund it. Or perhaps you've met the chap on the street who was once a successful businessman, but he made a bad deal and now he's lost his home, been rejected by his family, and now he's on the street and shuffling into Surdic for a free meal. I don't know how many people are local. How many people here are local to Reading? So quite a, quite a few. Okay. Surdic is a drop in centre that's run by the churches for, for street people. But folk like that, they know they're in a mess. They don't need telling. But as far as most people are concerned, they're the easily identifiable lost sheep. But the punchline is that irrespective of what they think of themselves, they they can be found. And I'll come back to that. But for me, the big dangling question is, who are the 99 who thought that they were okay because I think Jesus had his tongue in the cheek when tongue in his cheek when he said that the uh, ninety nine righteous ones who don't need um, any help, as he was speaking to a bunch of uh, Pharisees who were on his case for associating with the wrong characters. But my question to us is: Were they actually any less lost than the sheep who wandered off? Which brings us uncomfortably to you and me and our apparently well-ordered, got-it-together lives. Because I'm going to suggest that we don't fully know our place in the world until we have discovered our creator. I'm going to suggest that there is another, deeper reality behind the world that we see and hear and smell and touch. Now and again, I bet... There isn't one person in this room who hasn't wondered, is this all there is? And quickly squashed it. So, 
what if there is a second reality behind the one that we know? What if we had actually been visited by our creator in the shape of Jesus? What if he was accessible and you could somehow meet him? And the biggest what if of all, what if he were waiting for us to respond and shout for him? Now there is only one precondition and it sticks in many throats. So we have to recognize that we are in some sense lost and in need of him. And that fundamentally is humbling because it brings us to the realization that left to ourselves, we are estranged from God and need to be forgiven in order to mend the relationship. This applies to us whether we are in the one or the 99. It's funny, I always find it ironic how people think of Christians as being self-righteous bunch because it's the last thing on the planet that is natural to Christianity because the entry point is the realization that I'm not okay and a million miles from God that I need to be forgiven and need to be reconciled. And the painful bit for many of us is actually bending the knee and boy are our knees stiff. Human pride is the one absolute barrier because God will never violate our personal rights. He will never force himself on us because that wouldn't be love. Love is God's motivation. In the story, the shepherd had an economic motivation primarily because the sheep were very valuable and he couldn't afford to lose one. But God's motivation is love. And the beauty is that many of us have discovered that he will respond to our response. Because that's the definition of relationship. It's got to be two-way, and that's what it is. So, back to little Joshua. We don't know what little Joshua will see in his lifetime, whether he will see war or peace prosperity or austerity but one thing we do know is that love with a capital L will always be there for him as it is for us if we search and reach for God and that starts with searching for Jesus if you've never given yourself time or permission to explore these ideas and it's got your interest Make some time. I say make some time because it will never magically appear. It just won't. Life is too busy. We'll always have an excuse. Last year, I left the job I've been in for nearly 30 years. And, uh, and it, I, looking back, I think, where on earth did those 30 years go? Where on earth did they go? Um, I had some hair when we started. It's a long time since I've seen a full head of hair, though. So, but actually, there is an opportunity locally in that uh, there's the Alpha course here, which is a very safe space to ask any questions you want. It runs at St. Matthew's frequently. Just ask pads. 
Um, he's the one in the, the white tunic and the matching hair. I'm jealous. Or you can look on the very good St. Matthew's website. You can actually, if you plug in, there are billions of St. Matthew's churches out there in the, in the UK. But if you, if you write in St. Matthew's Southcote, uh, they'll take you straight to it. And it's very clear. So in conclusion, I have two questions. One is, can I book a cuddle afterwards? And secondly, is what's it to be? The red pill or the blue pill? Do you dare?